Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Potential. It lives in all of us. It lives in tomorrow, the day after, and years to come. We realize it by planning for the best, instead of preparing for the worst. At AIB, we want to help you see the potential in yourself, your future, and your money. Which is why we offer our customers the opportunity to plan for what matters most with our team of financial advisors. Your future is full of potential, and AIB can help you get there. Visit aib.ie forward slash financial planning or call us today to find out how we can help. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Hey, I am Sholem Adiluenya. And I'm Jacob Scott Thomas Bertrand, and this is the Lone Lobos Podcast. Now, some of you guys might know us from the shows we've been on, i.e. Cobra Kai, some of the other ones. But September 21st, we're going to be launching our podcast together. And what are we going to be talking about, Jacob? Unapologetic takes on adulthood, shooting every week, growing up in the industry. Listen to Lone Lobos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a story that captivated the nation. Two brothers and their sister are on the run from authorities tonight. Three close-knit siblings known as the Doherty Gang go on a 15-state crime spree evading police for eight days. Police say the trio have a stockpile of weapons and at least one of them has made it clear he's not afraid to die. They're like modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Listen to the Doherty Gang every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We just got word that there are currently four to six boats that are smuggling migrants to this side of the coast. It's extremely dark, so I can just see silhouettes. The water is completely overflowing in this one boat. Migrants are just jumping out of the boat. We saw five boats coming this way, four of them just unloaded, absolutely packed with migrants. I mean, I'd say that there's at least 100 people here. The ocean is pretty rough right now, but this isn't even the most dangerous part. El Arien is what's next. The Darren Gap, one of the most impenetrable jungles in the Americas. But it's also an area known for drug and people smuggling gangs. Migrants fleeing war, persecution, climate change, and economic misfortune routinely find themselves in great peril along migrant trails. Through the Darien Gap, a wild, lawless stretch that straddles Colombia and Panama. With a new American administration widely seen as welcoming all comers, people are coming from all across the globe. No me This is Vice News Reports. I'm Ariel Zermos.
Right now, you're probably hearing a lot of stories about a surge of migrants arriving at the southern border of the U.S. The majority of those people are coming from Central America, just south of Mexico. But there are also plenty of migrants who've taken a much longer road to get to the U.S. On today's episode, we're headed to a stretch of jungle in South America that migrants from around the world cross to get to the U.S., Faisan Showtime correspondent Paula Ramos takes us to the border of Colombia and Panama, to the notorious Darien Gap. The Darien Gap is a 60-mile stretch of rainforest that straddles South and Central America. It's this thin sliver of land, and it's very much a jungle. So you have dense trees, rivers that are too high to cross, and plenty of wild animals to encounter. There's no road through the area, or any law enforcement. The route that migrants use is the same one organized crime uses to smuggle drugs, which makes it very dangerous. But every day, migrants from Cuba, Nigeria, Haiti, India, and the rest of the world attempt to cross it en route to the U.S. Paula visited the Darien Gap in February. She and her crew started their journey on the Colombian side of the Darien, at a town that's a jumping-off point before migrants enter the jungle. Just so you know, This story we're about to tell mentions sexual and physical violence. I'm walking down the main road of Necogli. And if you don't look closely, Necogli is paradise. But then if you do look closer, you see hundreds of migrants that are just lined up across the shore. For many migrants, the migration path from Colombia starts in Necogli. Necogli is this tiny beach town on the shore of the Gulf of Urabá, which is this U-shaped, watery cutout in northern Colombia. There are tents and little camps lined up which the migrants are sleeping in. Presumably these are migrants that then will be taking the small boats that are also lined up all across the shore in this town. They'll take these boats through the Gulf to the other side of where we are right now. From what we've been told, this water in the Gulf of Urabá is also extremely dangerous. We know from reports that migrants have died trying to cross these waters. ¿Y de dónde eres originalmente? Yo soy I meet a man named Snyderson in Nicogli. Snyderson's from Haiti originally, but he speaks this perfect Spanish. When I met him, he was wearing a Lakers jersey, which is his signature. Snyderson tells me that he arrived here 15 days ago. He actually started his journey in South America, down in Chile, where he got a visa and could work. But once COVID hit and he lost his job, Snyderson decided to head north. The route he's taken is actually very common. Migrants from all over the world start their journeys to the U.S. and South America, where they can more easily get a visa. A lot of the migrants here have been on the road for weeks, even months, before they reach Necogli. And with no legal way of working and no way of really earning money, they have to keep going north. Imagine a month. I've been two years. I've been two years since I came to Cuba. 
This family of three is from Cuba. The father in the family, Carlos, is telling me they've been on the road for two years, trying to make it to the United States. But they've been stuck here in Necocli for two months because they're broke and they simply can't go any further. They have to pay anywhere between $200 to $500 just to cross the Gulf. And at this point, they barely even have enough money to make it another night here. They tell me they don't have money for food. A lot of these migrants have to rely on their family members sending them or transferring money to their Western Union accounts or different online banking options. Many times, they're simply relying on others to survive every day. They know the next step is the Darien, and they seem scared. They have a young child, and they tell me that they're worried about making the trek across the jungle with him. There are indigenous groups that live inside the jungle, but there's no government presence from either the Colombians or the Panamanians. And within that lawlessness, organized crime has taken over. They control drug smuggling routes and also the flow of migrants. Throughout our time reporting in the area, we heard a lot of stories of migrants being sexually assaulted, getting lost in the jungle, and even stumbling across dead bodies. Also, El Larien is actually a jungle. There's wild animals, there's snakes, insects, scorpions, and slipping and breaking a leg could be a death sentence if you're no longer able to keep up with the group. What we found out today is that the Colombian government isn't allowing migrants to take the official, commercial, safer route through these waters and towards the Larien. So the Colombian government stopped allowing migrants to take the boat they usually take from Necocli across the Gulf of Urabá to El Larien. They say it's because of COVID. And that leaves them very few options to either go through Coyotes and allow the Coyotes to take them, which will cost them at least $300 compared to the $50 or $60 that they would pay the commercial boat staff. Or this leaves them the other option, which is simply to wait indefinitely. Walking along the shore in Negogli, I see a Cuban woman who looked distressed. She's my age. She seems very approachable, so I went up to talk to her. Her name is Yasenia. She's traveling with her husband. She's completely stuck without a way to cross the Gulf. I ask her if she can pay a coyote to help her cross. But she says that it isn't an option for her because she simply doesn't have any money. Por lo que entiendo, usted está embarazada. Besides being broke, Yasenia is facing another huge challenge. No había visto la menstruación, no me pasa. Generalmente tengo la menstruación regular. She missed her period and she thinks that she might be pregnant. Or that maybe she had been. She's worried that the stress from the trip caused her to have a miscarriage. Ha tenido manchas. Sí, ya hoy estoy con manchas ya. Yasenia says that she's been spotting, but there isn't much she can do about it. ¿Usted ser mamá? Sí, claro. When I ask her if she wants to be a mom, mi sueño, mi anhelo. Darle seguridad y que tenga una vida digna. 
She says that was always her dream. And the whole reason she's making the trip north is to give this kid the kind of decent life she didn't have in Cuba. Yasenia has a degree in public health, and she knows that being stuck here in Ngogli and then traveling to Darien are no way to start a pregnancy. Mi mamá no lo sabe. Puede ocasionarle sí. ni que Dios lo quiera. Un infarto algo y no. Yasenia didn't tell her mom that she was going to cross el Darien. She says if her mom knew, it could give her a heart attack. Después de Necoclí, si logra cruzar, le toca al Darien. Sí. Físicamente y mentalmente, ¿cree que puede superar esa selva? I ask her how she feels. Like, is she physically and mentally prepared to cross this jungle? She says she hopes she is, but she doesn't seem very sure about that. She can't turn back at this point, but also, she just can't stay here in Colombia. There are few resources in Necogli, and there are no official migrant camps set up for those passing through. She either has to wait for the government to allow migrants to take that ferry across the Gulf again, or she has to hire a smuggler, a coyote, to take her across. Either way, she has to keep going. It's the end of the day here in Necogli. It's been a long, long day. We spend a lot of time with the Cuban migrants, and this particular group of migrants that we talked to today seems to be too scared to talk to the coyotes and to go to the other side of the Gulf through the coyotes. Now, it kind of makes sense, though. El Clan del Golfo is the largest and the most powerful cartel in Colombia. The main route that they use to traffic cocaine is the same route that many of these migrants are using to cross the Gulf and to make it to the other side. So these waters that we've been seeing every day are the same waters that many cartels are roaming through. We'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. 
Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The reviews are in, and audiences agree. iHeartRadio's number one podcast, Aftershock, is the show you need to binge. Michaela, She's not going to make it to the mainland by herself. Five stars. I love it. It's hard to find a podcast that is truly immersive, and this one takes the cake. Ask me if I care who died on that island. The art of a roller coaster. So many ups and downs, twists and turns, five stars. Someone's running towards us. Get to the boat now. Has me at the edge of my seat. Everyone that hears me listening to it stops to listen and then subscribes themselves. You owe me. After what you did, you owe me the truth. Heart-stopping. And the cast. I can't wait for more. This place is going to collapse. Straps us in and makes us think we're coasting along and we're really racing to an abrupt end. You're going to come with me and we are going to take you apart. Piece by piece. Aftershock starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Come to the island and binge the series everyone is talking about. Follow it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All quotes taken from actual user reviews. We woke up another day in Nicogli. The water is choppier, but the first thing you notice as you're walking alongside that shore of the Gulf is that many of the migrants that we saw yesterday, right, with their tents and their belongings, many of them are gone. I asked around and found out that most of the migrants had packed up their belongings in the middle of the night and that they had paid coyotes to take them across the Gulf to reach El Larian. I found the Cuban family I'd talked to earlier, the ones who'd said they were worried about traveling in Latin with their child. I wanted to find out what happened to Yasenia. They tell me that she left for the jungle, but they don't know much more. They've heard from other people who left, but they haven't heard anything from her. We wanted to follow Yasenia's journey, so the next step in the route was to take a boat across the Gulf. We actually took the ferry that migrants can't take. So we finally made it to the other side of the Gulf, which many call paradise. The local gang that runs this place granted us access on the condition that we wouldn't name the town. It's the last urban area migrants pass through before entering in Larien. The town is surrounded by the jungle, and it's a very different scene than Nickleby. It's livelier, it's freer, it's full of tourists. Most of these tourists that I'm around right now have absolutely no idea what's going on in the background. 
And what's going on in the background is that these migrants are big business for human smugglers. I wanted to meet one of the local coyotes to find out how the business works. So our local fixer introduced us to a man who works for El Clan del Golfo. We met him late one night at a house by the beach. Because we were recording with a camera, he put on a face mask to conceal his identity. Explíqueme en qué consiste su trabajo exactamente. Mi trabajo consiste en lo siguiente. Montarme una lancha. When I asked the coyote what his job is, he says he drives boats that pick up 20 or 30 migrants a day and that he takes them from one side of the Gulf to the other. Ayer por la mañana había muchos migrantes en la playa. Esta mañana cuando amanecimos habían desaparecido. I asked him what happened to all the migrants I'd met who'd vanished the night before. En este momento la decisión que le puedo decir es que hubieron salidas. He doesn't say much. He just says that around 100 migrants have been moved at a cost of about 400 per person. We just got word that two boats that are coming from Negocli are on their way. They're currently on their way to this side of the coast. Four days after we talked to the Coyote, a local contact tells us that a group of migrants is about to cross the Gulf. So my crew and I scramble to pack our bags. We get everything ready and we start heading to the beach to see them arrive. All right, we are seeing Two boats approaching our way. It's extremely dark, so I can just see silhouettes. It's, there seems to be a lot of people in this one boat. These boats that aren't really supposed to be transporting people. To avoid the Coast Guard, they move in the dark. And just after midnight, they start showing up on the beach. One by one, the boats start to unload. And dozens of people are hurrying off the boats and start walking up the beach towards where we are. Many of them are coming in shorts, t-shirts, sandals. I'm just fixated on the mom and, and the kids. No, that's where my eyes are going. There's a woman that is carrying a baby. Cannot be more than five months old. Yeah. Wow. I, I would say at this point, over 100, over 100 migrants that have made it. Now we've moved on to the next leg of the journey, the most difficult and most dangerous part. The migrants are about to start a trek that could last anywhere from six to nine days, which they'll have to walk entirely on foot. It's only a three-minute walk to get from the beach to the entry of the jungle. I'm surprised that this tourist beach was so close to the entrance of the Darien. And so we follow the migrants as they walk over the steep hill. And then suddenly, just like that, they're in the jungle. The entrance of the Darien is very narrow, so you can really only just see the people that are directly in front of you. As I begin the trail, all I can see are kids. I can also see elderly people, especially the women. From the start, it's physically challenging. You immediately feel exhausted, and I pretty quickly start sweating. 
So far, the two women that were in front of me at the beginning have been left behind. They started with shoes and I saw them completely barefoot by the time I left them. At this point, I don't really know where they are. Ahead of me, it's pretty silent, it's pitch black. The one thing you can hear though is the children, you know? the, the crying of babies, the murmuring of children. Three hours into it, I'm completely drenched. I find myself suddenly holding different bags. Slowly, migrants have given me their bags and some of their belongings, buckets of water, food, so I can help them and start carrying some of their loads. The first thing that you initially are constantly thinking about is the animals, right? The scorpions, the snakes, the wild pigs. There are so many people around you. So I'm just hyper-focused on the way that they're breathing, on their way that suddenly their shoes are nowhere to be found. And all I can think about is how much longer can they take this? It's almost 3.30 a.m. at this point. This is the first stop we're making since the boat stopped. Most of the migrants are taking this opportunity to rest. Some women are breastfeeding, families are sitting together. We've seen couples that are sleeping. Their coyotes are right behind us and they're starting to collect the money that the migrants owe them. Each of them has to pay between 20 to $30. And so they're trying to make sure that those dollars are in fact real. So we may be here at least another hour. At a certain point, after walking for about five hours, we reach the border of Panama where things get a lot more dangerous. On the Colombian side of the Darien, El Clan del Golfo runs things. But on the Panamanian side, a number of different gangs are vying for control, which makes it even more dangerous for anyone passing through. Our guides won't go any further, and we're told that our safety is no longer guaranteed if we cross into Panama. So we have to turn back. Tonight, I am not sleeping in the jungle. There's a lot to say about what we saw in El Larien. The elder women that were always at the back of the line because they simply couldn't keep up with the group. All of it is sort of just stuck in my head right now. We walked with them from 1 a.m. in the morning to 7.30 a.m. We left them in the actual Colombian-Panama border, and yet that was only the beginning of their journey. What we do know is that the Panamanian side of El Larien is notoriously more dangerous. There's more armed groups there. There's more violence. There's more reports of sexual harassment, of rape. And as I go to bed with all of these images in my head. I can't help but wonder if all of them will make it. We're currently getting checked by Panama's immigration force. 
We got to Panama late last night and we made our way towards the exit of El Arien. We want to see what it looks like on the other side of the Darien Gap as people are exiting the jungle. We hope that maybe we'll be able to find some of the people we started the journey with on the Colombian side. People like Yasenia, the Cuban woman who thought that she may be pregnant, or some of the other migrants we met. So we fly to Panama. It took us just a few hours to travel the distance by plane. It takes migrants days by foot. We make our way to where migrants leave the Darien jungle on the Panamanian side. We're literally steps away from the Darien jungle. And right in front of us, we're seeing at least so far seven migrants that have just exited the jungle. And they're continuing to walk towards the first village, the first sort of urbanized village that they've seen in, in the past at least eight days. Right now, we're seeing an elder a pretty old man. I mean, I don't know how how he survived. Wow. I'm seeing a mom holding her child. They're absolutely exhausted. So as people start coming out, I'm stopping them. I'm talking to them about their experience. And everyone is telling me just how rough it was and how they're all extremely exhausted. But a couple of them tell me about this one moment. As they're approaching the last few yards of the journey, a man on a white horse appears. And silently, they're guided out of the jungle and into the town of Bajo Chiquito by this man. And I'm not really sure what to make of this story. But our director of photography did see something similar, actually. He was gathering footage with his drone, and he also spotted a man on a white horse being trailed by a group of migrants as they exited the jungle. I remember seeing this horse, and I remember seeing a group of migrants following him, and it was just a completely beautiful image. Now, you don't really know who this man is. He's extremely mysterious. You don't really know what his intentions are, but you do see that he did help these migrants sort of get out of this dangerous jungle. The migrants that are already in the village are waving at them, they're encouraging them, they're whistling, so they know to head that way. For all the fear and, and, and uncertainty that we felt at the beginning of the trek to the jungle, this is the first sigh of relief that many of them are feeling and are able to, to feel in days. The next stop is a five-hour boat ride away to another town where there's a more established migrant camp with a lot of medical services provided by NGOs. The migrant camp is all outdoors. The first thing you see is UNICEF that has a tent set up where kids are watching TV and they're watching cartoons. And then you suddenly see a big mobile clinic that's set up by the Red Cross. Their migrants are coming in and out to get their regular checkups and make sure that they're in good shape. And the rest of the camp is mostly tents, right? There's a lot of tents where people are sleeping in these small beds every night. I had actually heard that Yasenia, the Cuban migrant back in Ecogli who was traveling with her husband, might be in that camp. And suddenly, I see her. No me lo creo. Llegó. 
And I asked her if I could hug her because I was just surprised to see her and honestly surprised that she had made it. She looked both extremely happy to be there and also completely exhausted and tired and a little bit distraught. Cuando hablamos la última vez, usted me dijo que no sabía muy bien si lo si lo iban a hacer. The last time I saw her, she didn't seem sure about crossing El Larien. So I asked her why she decided to cross. She says she knew she'd eventually run out of money and that there was no way to turn back. It took her six or seven days to cross the jungle. She's not exactly sure. And along the way, she saw two dead bodies. She had a bad fall. And she was robbed. She also barely ate anything the whole trip. Yasenia's husband was also with her. I asked them if anyone traveling with their group had been raped. He tells me about seeing something I had been concerned about when we first started this reporting. He says that he heard a story of a woman that had been gang raped by six people. I haven't been able to identify these women, and it's really hard to find good data on the prevalence of sexual assault inside the Darien. But Yasenia's husband isn't the only migrant I talked to who tells me stories like this one. Others who I spoke to coming out of the jungle said that they had also seen people raped. Yasenia's group had to hide a couple of times. Her husband says it felt like they were being hunted. I asked her about the bleeding she had when we first met. She's not sure. The bleeding had stopped, but she's still vomiting and feeling nauseous. She's about to go get a checkup by a nurse at the Red Cross clinic. Someone had let Yasenia use their phone so she could call home and talk to her mom. Yasenia starts to cry when she talks about that phone call with her mom. She told her mom that she made it through the Darien and was still alive. In the end, our reporting team spent about two weeks following migrants on this journey from Colombia to Panama, and we probably only managed to capture about a fraction of what the journey is actually like for migrants. Since then, I have stayed in touch with Yasenia. She kept me up to speed as she traveled from Panama through the rest of Central America and up through Mexico and towards the southern border of the U.S. I had been waiting to see if she'd be able to cross into the U.S. And then, just a few days ago, I got a voicemail from her. Yasenia had crossed. She'd been processed by Border Patrol and then released within a couple of hours. As of today, she's in Miami with her family. And she's still pregnant. She recently texted me a heart emoji and said, 
Estoy emocionada, which could mean she's excited or that she's overwhelmed or both. I'm not sure in this moment if Yasenia is an anomaly within the larger picture. I know for a fact that people like Snyderson have not made it. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol apprehended more than 172,000 migrants attempting to cross into the country last month. It's very easy to look at the pictures right now and think of immigrants as these like static photos of people at the border. The Biden administration is calling in FEMA to help manage and shelter the influx. But then suddenly when you force yourself to look beyond that and you understand that before getting here and before us looking at these like static photos, it's people that have literally climbed through hills and walked 66 miles through jungles and they've taken boats and buses and trekked and have done it barefoot and, you know, hungry at the same time then you're able to see them as real human beings that are literally willing to risk anything in their lives to reach this border. The border mess is only going to get worse. I can understand how some people can see the border and see that it's a crisis, but I can also understand how people can look at the border and see that there's this unprecedented opportunity to reclaim what we've always said that we are, which is a nation of immigrants. And within that, we are a nation that by law guarantees that every single person has a legal right to claim asylum inside of the United States. That is a legal right that everyone is entitled to, including Yasenia and Snyderson and everyone that I met through this trail. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living and services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. OnPost, for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpus.com forward slash sustainability. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 
Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This story was originally reported for Vice on Showtime. You can see the documentary version on Showtime right now. New episodes of Vice on Showtime air on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. You should definitely check out the show if you can. The video version of this story was reported by Paula Ramos and produced by Miguel Fernandez Flores, with local production assistance from Juan Arturo Gomez Tobon and Sofia Viemil. Surgeon Stoikovic was the camera operator. Editing from Chris Iverson and Kelly Hendrick. The co-executive producer was Craig Thompson. And the executive producers were Beverly Chase and Subrata Day. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan, Sophie Kazis, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. I'm Ariel Zermross. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but seriously, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. At Experts Electrical, we're celebrating Italian pizza perfection with Smeg. Buy a Smeg Victoria, Opera, or Portofino range cooker and get a free Smeg pizza stone and shovel worth €169. The finest Italian cookers, the finest Italian pizza. Perfetto. Shop Smeg now at your local Experts Electrical store and expert.ie. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. It was a blast. Steve had a, a sign over his door that said, have fun or you're fired. And- <laughs> oh, I love that. First of all, for everybody out there who doesn't believe that we're talking to you, can you say something as Sandy? <laughs> sure, of course. Howdy, everyone.
everyone from uh, Bikini Bottom and actually from my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sandy, you guys. It's Sandy Cheeks. I'm freaking out. This is a podcast by fans for fans. And I think SpongeBob would call it the best podcast ever. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.